four. Uh, so it's absolutely awesome. Love it. And we, uh, we have a special treat this morning. We are going to be having communion. And so uh, we will be uh, participating in that. So at the end of service, though, not at the beginning of service, is when we'll have it. So we have these cups. Just to explain it before we get into communion, and uh, if you haven't used these types of cups, uh, the, there, there are two layers to the top. The top is for the wafer, and then um, the other one is for the actual juice. So just so you know, uh, we're going to be going through uh, just a short devotion to prepare us for uh, the time of communion, and then we'll partake of the elements as we conclude this morning's message and time together. So how are you? Yeah? Well, good. Because there's no better place than to be right here as God's people singing his praises and worshiping him. Because we're gathered together uh, not for the sake of anything other than to worship him. Uh, to, uh, to stir each other up to love and good works. To sit at the very feet of Jesus Christ and to hear from him. So I hope that's what you're here for. Um, a few things before we get into the message this morning. Um, I, I, I don't want to uh, just also go on with this morning without at least acknowledging that we live in a broken world. Did you know that? Um, it's, I think, more apparent today than ever before that uh, we live in a broken world with broken people. Um, we, we are, but here's the thing is we, we are constantly referring ourselves to ourselves as Christians, as, as uh, sinners. And yes, we are sinners. You realize that the point, at the point where you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, right? The moment, though, you came to the knowledge of his forgiveness and his grace covered you, did you know that there were no works that you could do to bring you into sainthood but the very blood of Jesus Christ? You are a saint, not because you don't sin, because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we ought to refer to the body of Christ as that, that very thing that God sees us as. And that is forgiven in Christ. We ought to always remember that. And our lives ought to reflect that grace. Because we live to the glory of God, not because we're trying to earn salvation or even try to prove to anyone else that we are saved. Really, that's beside the fact that that's not the reason why we live lives to glorify the Lord. It's simply a response to the love that was first demonstrated to us. There are so many people that have that backwards. They're still tr like trying to earn each other's approval and, uh, and, and do things that uh, perhaps are earning our way into heaven. And it's no, it's we're, it's been done on the cross as Jesus stretched out his arms and said, it is finished, it was done. And for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. I just want to remind you of that as we consider the things around us. Uh, there is injustice, but we have and we know a just God. 
He has dealt with our sin on the cross for all eternity. And he desires, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So for us, just keep that perspective in mind. That no matter who commits the sin and how serious it is, that God still desires for that person to come to Christ. So that can lead into all kinds of implications as far as who it is that I'm speaking of. But I'm not really interested in naming names and going through all of that. I just desire for us as God's people to know that we have a loving God, but we also have a just God. And for us, vengeance is not ours, it's God's. Retaliation, in fact, for us, we ought to handle differently. We ought to love one another. By that, all people will know that we have that we are his by the love that we have for one another and the way in which we handle ourselves in situations. And so have that wisdom. Have a biblical perspective, not a worldly perspective. Don't let that flesh rear its ugly head and lead you in the wrong directions. For, the, for there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death, destruction. So don't let the circumstances that surround us lead you down a path of death and destruction. That means you guard your thoughts and you guard your hearts in Christ Jesus and keep them there. And if you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will be there to do that very thing to guard. All right. So as you take a look at the headlines today, think about that. Think about that. So I wanted to stir you up to something good. I wanted to, I want to realign you to Christ the story that we have before us this morning is a, is a story of Peter, the Jew, and Cornelius, the Roman centurion, who is a Gentile. By the way, those two groups did not mix. They actually hated each other in every sense of the word. And yet, the most important thing that was before them is the love that God demonstrated to all mankind through Jesus Christ. And Peter was there to tell them all about it. So before we do, though, let's, uh, let, me, let me go through a few announcements with you. Number one, Hands and Feet Food Box Delivery resumes on June 13th. So uh, please see Ruby and uh, George, where are you? Right here? Front row. All right. Woo! <laughs> um, see them, though. If you have any questions about that, that's, that's uh, taking place on June 13th, 830 a.m. And uh, so we'll have food boxes as an excuse to go out and minister to the people uh, in the, the community of, that's called Cambridge Gardens. And so uh, see them, and, and uh, we have uh, just a wonderful time out there of being able to pray with the residents and uh, sometimes lead them to Christ and encourage them in the Lord. So we have that going on. So June 13th, 830 a.m., we have the hand, Hands and Feet Food Box Delivery. We also have Children's Church, just a reminder, today at 3 p.m. On Web, in Webex. So uh, make sure you ten, tune in to that. If you're watching on WebEx um, or on uh, Facebook or YouTube, then uh, make sure you turn, tune in to WebEx at 3 p.m. And um, what else do we have? I, I think that's about all we have. I'm just joking. Where's Jesse? <laughs> uh, you thought I forgot. <laughs> 
We have graduates. We do have graduates. So, number one. Oh, Je- Jesse's serving, actually. So, but we're going to, you know, uh, Jesse, come on up, Jesse. Jesse Bowen. We have Bethany Bjorkman. Where's Bethany? Come on up. And we had David Tinoco. So. And Danny, is Danny here? Oh, come on up, Danny. <laughs> so Danny is going to sing a song for us. Right? <laughs> Actually, he has no pr- Danny, you have no problem being up here, huh? I, I, know, I know it because you saw him. Uh, with our Christmas play and all that, they had a great time. The kids did, and and so uh, no, I'm just very proud of all of you. We're all very proud of you, um, it, it, especially in times like these. I mean, you will never forget your graduation. <laughs> you, and you guys had a parade. You you literally had a parade, like come through and. And to throw candy at you, right? David, you got candy thrown. You actually literally got candy thrown at you and all of that. So, no, it's just, it's been a difficult year kind of just adjusting, um, you know, going from having class in person and uh, to having class um, on the internet, you know, would you use Zoom, WebEx, whatever it was, but uh, doing that. And so, um, just a lot of adjustments that had to be applied as they were graduating from high school and then graduating from elementary and going into junior high, right? Oh, my goodness. Andrew? And Andrew is promoting to high, to high school, so a big high schooler. All right. I'm moving on to college, so. <laughs> um, still. Uh, anyway, um, just wanted to bring them up um, to pray for them. So as a church, this is what we do every year. We, we have our kids come up that are graduating. And, uh, and just for us to pray over them, to pray over them. So you can extend your hands. We're not going to be laying hands on them, but we can pray for them. All right. So let's do that. Oh, we got pictures. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that um, you are faithful. That you love each and every one of these with an everlasting love. May they never forget that. May they never forget that you demonstrated that love for them by sending your only son to die on the cross on their behalf so that they too would have the way to you that they through the blood of Christ would be able to come into the very presence of the father as they place their trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and so I pray that you would crown them with wisdom that you would order their steps that they would walk in those steps 
that, Lord, they would serve you now and for the rest of their lives in response to that love that you first demonstrated to them. That you would give them, Lord, a purpose in Jesus Christ. Lord, as the world around us looks for purpose in the world, in the things of the world, in each other, Lord, may they remove their, their eyes from the world and put them squarely on you. Because the word tells us, as Jesus spoke, he said, if you desire to follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And so that is above all what I desire for these here. That they would learn what it means to deny themselves, to pick up their cross, and to be obedient to you, and to be blessed as they do. And so, Father, thank you for the work that you've done in and through them. And we celebrate you as we celebrate their accomplishment. We thank you, Father, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right, so please open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. The title of this morning's message is No One is Beyond God's Salvation. So last week, God desires that none should perish. This morning, we'll continue on with that theme, as it is a theme, by the way, of the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, and, and this is the very fact that no one is beyond God's salvation. No one is beyond God's grace. C.H. Spurgeon said, quote, None is more unjust in their judgments of others than those who have a high opinion of themselves. Close quote. The Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians in Philippians 2.3, Nothing from selfish ambition, uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or deceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. The more one practices selfishness, the stronger our tendencies are to serve ourselves. The more one practices selflessness, the stronger our tendency is to serve others. But the latter requires deliberate thought and action to apply and grow in. Whereas the former is the mold that the world and the flesh desire for us to fit right back into. And so it takes effort in order to us deliberately, thoughtfully, purposefully walk in the Spirit. Because it's like we have this tension, you know, like, a, like an object that, that has a rubber band wrapped around them. You know, that, that is constantly pulling away from that which draws us unto the world and the flesh. In the spirit, if we do so with a purpose and a conscientious effort, we know that all things are possible with God. And as we walk in the spirit, we realize that that's the very place we need to be in order to bless and glorify the Lord and be upright before the Lord. To be to have a right perspective of things. 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Peter, as we take a look at this chapter, was learning God's perspective. As his own perspective had gotten him in trouble time and time again in times past, right? He had made these comments that reflected his heart. And so his perspective, as you, as you think about perhaps your own walk with the Lord, we are as Christians disciples, we are followers of Jesus Christ, and we're learning how to walk with him, not on our own path, but learning to walk on the path that God has for us. And we're all learning. None of us have arrived. And so as we consider Peter, consider yourself as well. Because Peter had made many mistakes before, and he's still learning how to see things as God sees them. To have a biblical perspective. Peter will learn, and we will learn with him, how no one is beyond God's salvation. No one. We will be reminded once more that God's plan of salvation is for all people. It's an offer of God's grace that exists today as it did in the day of Peter and Cornelius. Remember, and always remember this, as you have compassion toward other people, as you come in contact with other people, as you deal with circumstances in your lives as we are today, that no one is beyond God's salvation. And God desires that none should perish that all should reach repentance. You may think someone ought not to be offered salvation. You know, justice and judgment should fall upon them. But that's not how God thinks. That's not His ways. The offer is for everyone, to anyone that believes in Jesus Christ. Their sins, the Bible tells us, will be forgiven. In fact, Romans 10, 13 tells us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in Acts chapter 4, and verse 12, it says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If not Jesus, who? The world tells us that there are many ways to God. That's simply not true. There's only one way to the Father. And the most loving thing that we can do is point people to Jesus Christ. Because He is the door. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who died for our sins. No one else has done that. No one else has and could have atoned for our sins, paid for them in full, but Jesus did. So three things that we're going to take a look at as we go through this chapter is, number one, no one is common. Number two, speak what God commands. And number three, Jesus is alive and offers forgiveness to all. Father, we want to once again commit this time into your hands, Lord, asking, Father, that you would speak to us. Lord, as we consider Cornelius and how was it he anticipated greatly the arrival of Peter to simply speak what you gave him to speak, I pray, Father, that we too have gathered together this morning, highly anticipating the very words that you have for your church this morning. 
I pray, Father, that there would be a renewed zeal upon your church. Your, your people, Father, would wake up, Lord, to truly desire you above all. Lord, as your word tells us in, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, that perfect love casts out all fear. You're speaking of the fear of condemnation. I pray that we would be a people not wrapped up in any type of fear because we know that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what your word tells us and that will, that's what we have come to know. Therefore, I pray and I hope that this moment in time would truly be dedicated to you individually and corporately as a fellowship that we have come to call refuge. We are here to listen to you, to receive from you. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to us individually. That no one would, Lord, take this lightly. Cornelius didn't. And in fact, his zeal, his excitement about you, rubbed off on everyone around him. I pray, Lord, that we would be those types of people. So we thank you, Lord, because it's grace that we're speaking of. We're speaking of your love and salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we start off, um, we, we leave off with uh, the story of Peter and Cornelius and how it was that um, Peter... And Cornelius both are having these visions in two different places, uh, about 30 miles apart from each other, one in Joppa and the other one in Caesarea. And we, we uh, pick up in verse 9, which says, The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So, number one, the Lord is speaking to Peter. And telling him, communicating to him, emphasizing it three times. Hey, listen, no one is common. Verses 9 through 16 here. Gives, God gives Peter a vision. He fell into a trance and he gave them this vivid vision. And he was communicating him, to him through this, Peter is praying at noon on the rooftop of Simon the Tanner's home in Joppa. And as he's there, he gets, he gets a big, bit hungry. You know, sometimes, uh, well, many times, when we're praying, when we're seeking the Lord, worshiping Him, these are some of the things that we ought to kind of fight off. The, the tendency for the flesh to overwhelm us, overtake us, our thoughts. Have you ever been in prayer? And just as wild thoughts go, thought goes through your head, you know, you're thinking, what in the world just happened? Like that came out of nowhere. 
unfortunately, that happens. Maybe it doesn't happen to you. It happens to me. Like, that is, that is a crazy thought. Those are those fiery darts that, that are being flung at us. And we as Christians know that the very things, the, the very thing that wards off those fiery darts is the shield of what? Faith. faith. Exactly. The shield of faith. So hold up that shield of faith, knowing that you are in Christ. Those thoughts are not from the Lord, but they're from the enemy himself. They serve to distract you. Don't allow them to distract you and keep focused on the Lord. Continue to keep your eyes on him. But that happens. Well, for Peter, it was this thing called hunger. He got hungry. And while lunch is being prepared, I could just imagine, you know, yesterday we were with family. And my brother-in-law was, was making some spaghetti and some cheesy garlic bread. That cheesy garlic bread, you know those cartoons that the aroma is like coming out? And then it forms into a little finger and it starts doing this. That's what I kind of felt like that was like, that's what was happening. Like we were outside and I was smelling this cheesy garlic bread being cooked in the oven. And I was like, oh, I can't wait. Um, anyway, sorry if any of you are hungry. <laughs> but he got hungry. He's human, just like you and I. He got a little hungry, but in that time, he, was, he, he committed himself to pray. And this was common in those days. The rooftops were more like a, served more like a patio. Um, it, it served all kinds of different uh, uses. But uh, he was up there praying. And as he's praying and, and as he experiences some hunger, the Lord gives him a vision. And he sees this great sheet coming down. In other words, it's enormous because it's holding all kinds of different animals on it. And the sheet comes down and there's clean and unclean animals in it or on it. In other words, they're acceptable and unacceptable animals. In other words, this refers to the law of God that provides details as to which ones are acceptable to eat for the people of God, for the Israelites, for the Jews, and which ones are not acceptable to eat. I make reference to Leviticus chapter 11. We're not going to go to chapter 11, but, but that's where you can jot that down. That is God's law, and it was set forth for the Israelites. So this is the very thing that Peter um, was thinking of when this sheet of animals came down. And it was at that moment when all the animals were coming down that he hears the Lord's voice saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, Peter had observed the dietary law of God. He rejected such a command, but God told him what God has made clean, do not call common. And so this happened three times for emphasis. God was trying to get Peter's attention. He was trying to communicate something to him that perhaps it was illustrated in that. But at the same time, he was trying to bring across to him something that was very important for him, something that he was about to be confronted with. God has a tendency to repeat something and bring it to our attention several times. When he wants to emphasize something, he wants us to learn. Putting it before you over and over so that you will understand. 
that he is emphasizing something that is very important to him. It kind of shakes your perspective. You're thinking, oh, I've got things settled. I have things figured out biblically. And then all of a sudden we're challenged. Now you tell me, if you, if you have it all figured out, I want to learn from you. You should come up here and teach because we want to all hear from you, right? But listen, I, I know we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one has arrived. We're all learning. We're all growing. And we're all going to have something emphasized in our lives to shake us out of going down the wrong path and bring us down this right path. And this was it for, for Peter, for him. He did it three times. And when the Lord does this, as far as emphasizing something in our lives, it tends to have a lasting impact on us. It's like, I remember when I was, I was thinking one way and the Lord just really brought this to my attention and, and, and he, I read about it, I studied it, and then someone brought it up, and then someone else brought it up, and then someone else brought it up, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it's at that point to where it has a lasting impact on our lives. At least it should. And we remember it. It's like one of those things that are etched, that is, is etched in our minds and in our hearts, and we never forget that. Well, what we have in verses 17 through 29 is... Our understanding that Peter has come to understand what the Lord has placed before him in this vision. As we continue on in verse 17, it says, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. We're going to stop there. This is where, you know, as we continue on with the story, you know, Cornelius had been given this vision by an angel of the Lord, and, and here we have the Lord speaking directly to Peter in such a beautiful way, such a powerful way, emphasizing the very fact that don't call common what I have called clean. It's like, what does this mean? He's emphasized that. And so now we're getting the understanding that, that Peter's beginning to understand this vision. And it, it'll become super clear as we continue on with this. Because we know, as we see there in verse 17, that inwardly, Peter was perplexed. In other words, he was baffled. He was puzzled. He didn't quite fully get it until the story continued, until... Cornelius's men came and presented themselves at the gate. All in that time, the Lord again told him, confirming, saying, these are the men that I have sent right here. Go without hesitation. So again, Peter may have been baffled at first, but when Cornelius's three men arrived at Simon the Tanner's home, asking for Peter, it all started to come together. 
And he was willing to follow God's lead into this situation. In fact, we see here how the Spirit told Peter that three men were at the house looking for him. The Lord was the one that had sent them to Peter, to Simon the Tanner's home, to go and ask Peter to come back to Cornelius' home. Well, Peter met with them, and as soon as he uh, met with them at the gate, he asked them, he inquired of them as far as what their reason was for coming there to begin with. Now, the Lord had already told him, go with them without hesitation, but now he's, he's inquiring. He wants to know, are these the people that I ought to meet with? Is, are these the ones that were sent to me? Well, let's see if it's true. Well, they explained what had taken place with Cornelius. And they described Cornelius to him. He's, he was not a fellow Jew that was living in Caesarea. He was a centurion. So Cornelius is a centurion, number one. Number two, even though he's a centurion, he's an upright man. He's a God-fearing man. He seeks to please God. He's a, he's a righteous man. Cornelius also had great integrity with the Jewish people. He was well regarded. That's how he was described by Cornelius's men. It was one soldier and two servants that went. And so they were describing him. Now, Cornelius, think about this. He was an officer of the Roman army, and it would be common for the Jews to hate such a man. Cornelius would be part of the direct oppression of the Jewish people. And so the Jews would naturally dislike and even hate such a person. That was just the natural relationship that they had. This is why this is really important. I mean, talk about having prejudices. Here we have a man who sends for a child of God to come and speak to him about whatever it is that God has to speak to this person. There was great prejudice. Let me ask you this. I, I just, just a, a quick question. Perhaps you can just think about it. Will we ever, by the world's devices, ever conquer prejudices in this world? We will not. You know where the answer is? It's in one person. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's why I, I, I want to constantly refocus you guys. Like just get realigned with the Lord. Just keep your eyes on Him. Don't allow your hearts to be filled with hatred, anger, bitterness. All of these things serve to destroy the person serve as, as the very means to bring you down a path of destruction. And so stay intact in the Lord. Keep your eyes on Him because what we're dealing with right here, the very story that we have before us, I believe it is timed well and is very fitting for the day in which we live in. Here's this Roman army officer, officer Cornelius, who is calling for a Jew to come. Not only is he a Jew, but... Now he's a child of God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And, and he's calling, hey, come, come and speak to, uh, to me. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from the Lord. Cornelius was a man who rejected the Roman gods of the day. 
and instead worshipped the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't do it with full knowledge, but he denied all the other gods, and, and he was a man who was, uh, prayed to God, and, and he, he gave to the needy, and he was just doing everything that he thought he needed to do and be to please and honor the Lord. Sometimes that's much more than what we can say even of ourselves. And that's the very thing that ought to be present amongst us. Cornelius did not know how to approach God, though. And truly know God as he desires all people to know him. You know, some people, they say, well, yeah, I'm I'm God-fearing and um, I think I'm doing the right things, but it takes someone like Peter to be sent to him, you, to explain this is how you come into a relationship with God the Father, and it's through the Son. A person's opinion of how to worship God doesn't make it right. I'm going to repeat that. A person's opinion of how to worship God does not make it right. There are many opinionated people in the world today who think they are worshiping God and are not. Because they have their own way, they have their own opinion. I don't know how many countless numbers of people that I've come across that say, I believe in God in my own way. You've heard it too, right? You know, you worship God in your way, I'll worship God in my way. Well, what God are you worshiping? You know, and and listen, there is a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Do you know that way? Because that's really important. There's only one way, and that way to God is through Jesus Christ. I already referred to John 14, 6. Well, Peter accepted their response and invited them to come into the home as his guests. Remember, it's Simon the Tanner's home, you know, and, and he comes down and mi casa su casa. And so, uh, so I guess he, he just took the liberty to just invite him in. So three, three guys sent from Caesarea by Cornelius, and, and here they are, and they, they stay there. They, no doubt, that night are well taken care of. And the next morning they set out, um, going back to Cornelius, uh, who is in Caesarea. Now, it takes them a day to get to Caesarea, and, uh, and Cornelius was greatly anticipating their arrival. Let's read on. The next day he, ro- he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Verse 24, and on the following day they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius was expect- and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Do you sense some time, even though he says he went without hesitation, do you sense some kind of like some tension? Maybe it was just me. I, I just like sense like a little bit of like, I'm going, I'm obedient. 
but especially with what he communicated there, it's kind of like, you know, we don't really mix. So maintain your social distance there. <laughs> this whole situation is just absolutely wonderful because it just screams, it just screams of God's grace. Like breaking down these preconceived notions, uh, a lot of barriers that we set up, it is like breaking them down, breaking them down, breaking them down. Oh, was Cornelius not excited about Peter's arrival? Remember, this was a Roman centurion. And this Roman centurion, you can imagine a general, a general falling down who, who, is, who has the authority over many men in the army of all places. You know, you, you think that a, a man of that stature in that position, he would certainly not bend the knee to someone like Peter. And yet not only did he bend the knee to him, but he, it says here that he worshipped him. Now, we know that he didn't kiss the ring, right? He didn't kiss the ring. Peter demonstrated a humility, an understanding of who he was. He he says, bro, get up. Get up. I'm a man just like you. Just like you. This is, you don't do that. You don't, you don't bow to me. There's only one that you bow down to. And he's the very one that I'm going to talk to you about. You don't bow down to me. You don't kiss the ring. You don't honor me in that sense. That praise and that worship and that honor is only applied to God, not me. Think about that. This is why we need to have a biblical perspective. Because those who are deceived into thinking that someone here on earth is representative solely of Jesus Christ of God. And to him, we are to bow down and kiss the ring and, and, and just take his word and, and uh, as, as God's word is wrong. And here we have Peter saying that very thing. Think about that. Think about it. Christianity is, is not, it's not a passive faith. Christianity is a faith in which you need to think, you need to consider things, you need to put things together. And as you are confronted with circumstances in your lives, as you you are told that certain religions, this is it right here, and you look into them, you realize they're wrong. They're wrong. This, This is not the way. It's not by works. It's not through a church. You're not saved by belonging to a church, like an earthly church. You're not saved by anything but by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not by works, lest any man should boast. And we are very boastful. But Peter understood. And he said, stand up. Stand up. I too am a man. At this point, It's at this point that Peter made it perfectly clear that he understood God's vision, the very vision that he was given. Jews and Gentiles, clean and unclean, 
I see the sheet coming down. The Jews despised the Gentiles and avoided them at all costs in order to not defile themselves. They looked down at all the other people. They were prejudiced. But Peter said that God had shown him that he is to call no one common or unclean. Peter stated that he had come as he was commanded and without objection. And then he asked why Cornelius sent for him. Why, why did you send for me? Once he came into his presence. And Cornelius said in verse 30, And Cornelius said, Four days ago about this hour I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So as Peter asks Cornelius why he sent for him, Peter learns why. Because you see, Peter was learning to be obedient. Remember that he had a tendency to be quick to speak. But what the Lord was teaching Peter was to listen, to observe, to wait on the Lord and follow through with what the Lord was directing him to do, even if it was against his own personal opinion of what to do and not do. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Peter knew this all too well, and I believe that we ought to learn this lesson as well. So God said not to call common or unclean, what he had made clean. Therefore, I will not. Here I am, even though it's not what Peter would have preferred. Is what he was saying. Here I am. It's not, it's not what I preferred, but here I am, Lord. And the Lord was doing a work in his heart. He was doing something for Cornelius and his whole household and, and there in Caesarea. But, but think about this. He was doing a work, a giant work, in the heart of Peter and the men that came with him from Joppa, no doubt they were, they were other Jews that were coming with them. Here we have the Jews and the Gentiles in one household. Oh, something that wasn't common in those days, not at all. But they were all there. So n- number one, no one is common. Number two, speak what God commands. Verse 30 as we continue, or I'm sorry, um, as we said that uh, and we read through it, what we're seeing here is that Cornelius was telling him, speak what God has told you. Speak what God has commanded you. I I, I don't want to hear really even your opinion. It's more, okay, so when we come together for Bible study, and some of you know already, a pet peeve with me is when the question is asked, so what is God saying to you in, in this right here? Sometimes we, we kind of mess that question up because what we're, what we're asking for is, well, what's your interpretation of this? Should we be asking really what is our interpretation of what God has said? 
Or should we be asking, what is God's interpretation of this, and how did it minister to you? That is how we should be asking that question. Just for all the Bible study facilitators, leaders within refuge, because we're, we're not here to find out if perhaps your interpretation is different from someone else's and like, yeah, you have a good point there when it's taken out of context. We want to put it in context and understand what God is saying first, and then we see how it is that it applies to us in, in a way that's personal, how it's ministering to us. That's what we ought to look at. We've had conversations, like, right, Miranda's, about that? About that very th- same thing. Some of you, we've enjoyed these conversations to where it's like, let's take a look at this in context. You know, we thought that this is what it meant. And in reality, that's not the whole context of it. Like 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. Perfect fear casts out all fear. That's speaking of the fear of condemnation eternally. That's what that's referring to. Because there are other fears that are actually... Uh, they serve to preserve us, and that's okay, right? Like the fear of falling off a cliff, is that good? That is very good. It really is. The fear of putting your hand on a hot stove, is that good? I don't want to burn myself, but I have no fear, and I'm going to do it anyway. Was that perfect love? That's not what that's referring to, right? Not at all. So, so that's what I'm talking about is, is that we ought to bring things back always to its proper context. And so what Cornelius was asking, and this is a great question for us in a statement in our own lives, is I don't want to hear anything other than whatever God is speaking to me through perhaps someone else. But tell me what God has to say. Well, Cornelius had his whole family gathered together, even close friends. He brought them all together. And when Peter and the other disciples got there, man, the house was packed. It was full. Do you think that demonstrated that there was some kind of excitement in there? Cornelius was excited. Peter's coming. Peter's coming. Peter's coming. And he has a word for us. You guys need to come. Every single one of you, you need to come. You need to hear what, what God is going to speak through Peter. So let's all gather to get together. You see, Cornelius took this event seriously. He was so serious about it, and he proved it by his actions. Cornelius wasn't interested in hearing anything other than what God had commanded Peter to speak. In other words, Cornelius wasn't driving the messenger, nor the message that was being delivered. He just wanted whatever God had for him, and he was ready to listen. Remember that. As Christians, we are ambassadors of Christ who are not only representing him in life, but also in word. What he desires to communicate to others, we communicate to others. 2 Peter 4, 5 says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That's for all of us. That's not just for Pastor Timothy. That, that verse right there is for each and every one of us. Do the work of an evangelist. You may not be gifted like an evangelism, but can you tell someone what God has done in your life through Jesus Christ? That, that's all you have to do. I was saved by grace. Jesus Christ died for my sins. Jesus walked on this earth perfectly, unblemished. He committed not one sin. He died for my sins on the cross. He was buried three days later, rose from the grave. And today, 
sits at the right hand of the Father. He has saved me. He has forgiven me of all my sins. Can we say that? That's the work of an evangelist. That's helping others understand what has already occurred in your own life. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The only way we could teach each other, and we ought to teach each other, is if we ourselves have become students and are learning. And so that which has been commanded, hey, let's share with one another. And help each other grow in the Lord. Acts 1.8 says, and Peter knew this very well, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Peter knew all of this. And yet God was helping Peter understand exactly what he meant and what he expected. Are you willing to allow God to do the same work in your own life. Do you have preconceived notions, opinions, and inclinations that God needs to deal with? Are you willing to submit all of that to the Lord? It's interesting how this Gentile Roman centurion simply told Peter, we're all here to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. We're just, we're here. We have open hearts. We have an ear to hear. That's why I hope we always come on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night. By the way, if you guys aren't following on Wednesday nights, we're, we're uh, wrapping up 1 Samuel this coming Wednesday. I encourage you. you can, if you're not able to come physically, um, you can take advantage of those teachings, those times that we gather together online, YouTube and on Facebook. They're, they're recorded there. They're always there for you. Um, follow, follow along, especially leadership. You definitely need to, to be in there and following along. So watching and just, just growing in the Lord, that's what we do. So they, they were all ready to just simply hear from the Lord. So number one, no one is common. Number two, speak what God commands. And then thirdly, this is why they've all gathered together. Jesus is alive and offers forgiveness. 34 it says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and, testi and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So this is what Peter started to speak. You know, they were there ready to listen. And basically the bottom line is that Peter served as Jesus's personal witness he to testify of his life death and resurrection 
he testified of the fulfillment of prophecy. That which has been spoken by the prophets has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. To the fact that Jesus was raised from the grave, conquering sin on the cross and death, leaving the grave and has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Peter, having testified of this witnessing, being there personally, breaking bread with the risen Christ. This is not some kind of a spirit that is just roaming around. This is, this is Jesus Christ in the flesh has resurrected from the grave. A spirit cannot eat. Jesus ate with them. He drank with them. He spent time with them. He communed with them. They could touch him. They could embrace him. That's the Jesus who is our God and who is our Savior. And he's our Lord. The one whom one day we will be in his presence for all eternity in all of his glory. Peter confirmed that he and the other disciples had been commanded by Jesus to preach and testify that Jesus is God and will judge the living and the dead. Peter confirmed that all the prophets had spoken of Jesus. And all who believe in Jesus will receive forgiveness of their sins. Simply what Peter was doing was testifying of Jesus. That's what he was doing. He came, Cornelius, you want to hear? This is what I, I've come to tell you. It's a, sim- it's a simple message. A simple message. He is alive, I can attest to it. Since I've broken bread with him personally. And all that is written of him is true. And if you, Cornelius, in your household, believes in Jesus Christ, then you will be forgiven of your sins. You want to know how to have a relationship with the Father? It's through the Son. Believe on the Son. Believe in Him. That's how you have a relationship with God. And while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, meaning they received it and believed what Peter was speaking. They they believed him. Verse 44 says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. There was no doubt a powerful move of God's spirit as they began to speak in tongues. And, and, and what, what, what this is re- referencing as they spoke in tongues, it was that they were extolling God. In other words, they were praising God. That's what they were doing. And keep in mind that Peter and the other disciples, they understood what they were saying. They understood and they knew that it was it was extolling God, praising Him. Perhaps you've heard the gospel before, maybe many times. Perhaps you haven't. But you're hearing it now that everything that is written is true about Christ. The Apostle Paul referenced that, and we won't turn there, but referenced that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. He testified of Christ. And at this point, Cornelius and the Gentiles, 
that were there in his home believed and they praised God. In fact, they asked Peter to stay a few more days. And during that time, I, you know, I, I understand that they would probably ask his, him tons of questions in regards to the Lord. And he taught them the things of the Lord. But at the same time, we see here how Peter is quick to call on them to publicly identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Make a public declaration of your life in Christ now. And so that is, again, another example for us that we don't need to, if we're truly in Christ, we've surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, to think about, pray about, and, and wait for uh, being baptized. The moment we come to the Lord, we identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. It doesn't save us, but it does publicly declare, proclaim that, uh, that I have died with Christ, but I've also been risen to new life in him. And he is mine and I am his. And so we declare to the world that that's who we are. We're Christians. And uh, we're so happy for that. So no one is common, number one. Number two, speak what God commands. And number three, Jesus is alive and offers forgiveness. One last thing before we close. In Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Think about Cornelius as we read these two verses, Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 and 15. Cornelius and Peter. You know, Peter was was this very person. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. If you bring the good news of Jesus Christ to anyone, it doesn't matter how anyone else regards you. The way the Lord sees you is, oh, those, those feet are absolutely beautiful because you allow them to carry you to the very place I have sent you to declare the grace of God through Jesus Christ. You I have sent and you have obeyed. You've gone to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. And so it was with Peter that he was learning obedience and doing that very thing. For Cornelius, he knew now how it was that he was to worship the Lord. That it was only through Jesus Christ. And they came to believe through Jesus Christ. That they had been forgiven of their sins. Can you imagine the hallelujah that was raised in that home? Oh, it was like the roof was no longer existing in that home. It was like they blew the roof off that thing. You know, sometimes I wonder, do do we know that hope? Church, do we know it? I know we do. Even though you didn't, it's still there, but <clears throat> we want to have fun too, right? That's the thing. Hey, listen, we come together and there's exhortation. There's some, some teaching in God's word. 
But I pray that it's God's word by God's spirit giving you understanding, teaching you these things, that it really remains in your heart. Okay? You know, I, I, I know I get excited. I do. Uh, I, was, I was blessed by being in the back of the sanctuary this time. Normally I'm, I'm in front, but we were making room to make sure that everyone had enough space to, to be sitting down. But just considering the fact that we're, we've come back together as God's children, God's people, and praising him here, I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I hope that you two at some point are moved to tears. Like, this is, like, this is so good. It, it's pleasing to the Lord when the brethren, the brethren dwell in unity. This should be a place where we're dwelling in unity and we're coming together. But I know I get excited. I, I really do. And sometimes I get overwhelmed with emotion um, at how good God is and uh, in the love that we have together. And, uh, and so I just want God's word, though, to do his work in your heart. That's what I desire above all, that you would be reminded of God's love for you that he demonstrated it through Jesus Christ, and that everything we do, say, and think is, should be in response to that and should be glorifying to the Lord. And so go out. May your feet be beautiful before the eyes of the Lord. May you bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to all whom he sends you to.